0: Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, where we interview location-independent entrepreneurs that travel the world like a boss by being their own boss. Here's your host, Johnny FD.
1: Hey guys, it's Johnny and welcome to episode 213 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I have a very special episode today. We are live on a boat in the middle of nowhere. Welcome to the show, Andrew.
2: Thank you, Johnny. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, really good. So, you want to tell everyone where we're at right now?
2: We're out in the middle of the Maldives on a livable called the Blue Voyager, and we're having an awesome trip so far. It's a 10-day itinerary, uh, sailing around the islands and diving into the blue. Very cool. So,
1: I'm probably going to have a few different people on, uh, but we'll start off with you. Can you tell us your name, where you're
2: from, and what you do for work? Okay. So, name is Andrew Lee, and uh, I live in the UK, and I'm a sales director for Europe, Middle East, and Africa for Sharp Electronics.
1: Okay, cool. And... What got you into scuba diving in the first place? Do you remember your first dive?
2: Oh, most definitely. So growing up in Africa, I had the bush and uh, and all the wildlife. So when I moved to the UK, I lost that. So scuba diving became my new bush and my new wildlife. So I started 10 years ago, 2008, and my first dive was in a very cold quarry uh, in the UK.
1: That is terrible. Oh, it was. I think that the only reason why I got into scuba diving was I just lucked out. I I happened to be in Thailand in Phuket. And there's a little island called Bracha which is just the easiest place in the world to dive. Clear water. It was warm. Just fish everywhere. There's no current. It was just, just so easy. And I just thought, I can do this all the time.
2: Oh, well, you're the type of guy I used to watch on the beach while I was sitting there and watching them all go out and scuba dive. And I thought, no, I've got to do this. And I went back home and found out about it and never looked back.
1: Okay, so the first time you did it, how cold was the water?
2: Do you remember? Yes, it was about 12 degrees. And that's uh, Celsius or Fahrenheit? Celsius. That's cold. It was cold. In yeah. a dry suit. Very murky. And, that's uh, freezing. Yeah, I did what all new beginners do. I sunk straight to the bottom <laughs> and ended up in a pile of dust. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, so for the Fahrenheit fans out there, all the Americans, um, you know what's funny is I actually don't know Fahrenheit anymore, even though I grew up in the U.S. Mm-hmm. When I started diving, it was in Thailand, and we always used Celsius. We used Celsius in meters. So whenever, whenever I dive... It's everything is in Celsius and meters. And we, we have uh, an American here who is smarter than both of us in, in math. <laughs> you want to say your name, where you're from, and the answer to this question?
3: Oh, I don't have the answer. I just, I have the same story. I learned to dive in Fiji, um, where we dove in meters and Celsius and bar. And so going to the States or diving in Mexico or the Caribbean, where everything is in feet, and psi is like crazy. I don't know I don't know how to do it. I don't know what I don't know what diving at 30 feet means.
1: That's Katie by the way. <laughs>
2: Hi, I'm Katie
1: Yeah I, you know actually I would say this can be like diver tip number one if anyone's starting out is learn in Celsius and meters because most of the world that you're gonna probably want to dive in uses Celsius and meters.
2: Pretty much everywhere outside of America is, yeah. is Celsius and meters, and you don't really want to dive in the U.S. I haven't dived there yet, but hope to one day. I've
1: only dove in Florida, off of but off of Miami, which is not the best diving in Florida. Yeah. And I've dove in Hawaii, which had a really cool night manta dive in Kona, that That's was kind great. of similar to the the match dive we did here at night.
2: Yeah, that was awesome.
1: But I would say, it actually, I I wasn't that impressed with the diving in Hawaii. I th- I thought it would be incredible. Yeah and you know to be fair I didn't do that much of it but it just kind of seemed like you know decent diving but it wasn't it wasn't great and it was way more expensive
2: No, well, you mean you can't beat the itinerary that we've had here I mean we've seen pretty much everything you know from diving with whale sharks during the day to manta night diving and shark diving nurse feeding um, at night which was absolutely awesome last night um, to having turtles and, and gray sharks and white tips and all around you every single day as well as great company on the boat yeah, well, decent company sometimes. <laughs> no, but it's actually pretty cool. So um, let's
1: talk about the boat itself. I think it's pretty cool that we're on, I mean, I didn't want to say yacht because it sounds a bit pretentious, but this is a yacht. It is. It's a master yacht, yeah. It's four stories. Four stories, that's right, with a jacuzzi on top. Yeah, it's 37 meters, which oh. is 120 feet. i had to look it up. So it's big. It, it is. is a really big yacht.
2: Big, spacious, with great
1: rest out areas. Yeah, and I know it's really big because most of the time I can't find anyone else. Like if I'm trying to find someone and they're not, they didn't want, they don't want to be found. And there's no reason for that. Well, I mean, just like sometimes I'm like, oh, where's you know, where's Andrew? Where's Katie? And like you just can't find them. They're just there's so many nooks and crannies to kind
2: of hide out on. That's very very true. It's 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 a great boat for relaxation, and you can have as much social or as much private time as you want.
1: Yeah, and what's cool is we have a full size dive boat. Oh yeah, right, like literally just following us. Which is re- which is kind of weird, yeah. It but is, it's awesome.
2: It's fantastic. I mean, it takes a uh, donie, takes twenty six people, uh, with a with a crew of three um, plus the guides. It's a it's a huge boat with plenty of space, yeah. toilet facilities, and even better snacks when you come up from a dive.
1: Yeah. Well, what's funny is I actually never heard of the word donie until this week. I've
2: always heard a dinghy.
1: Ah, yeah, dinghy diving, which is like a tiny boat. And That's we also correct. we, we a have a duck. dinghy too, yeah,
2: which is cool. Yeah, no, it's a little rubber duck. So that's most liverboards in sort of Egypt and so on. But here it certainly makes life a lot easier and a lot more space on the boat. So, like, you've how many liverboards have you done now? Oh, too many to count. So, uh, Maldives, three. Uh, Egypt, sort of around about 30. Uh, so, probably going on 50 odd liverboards over the last 10 years. Did you say 15 or 50? 50, five, zero. Wow. Yes, I've been spoiled. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. That is yeah. really insane. Yeah, no, it's really it really makes up the numbers on your dives. So, yeah. And did you start with Liverpool straight away or did you first start
1: with normal diving?
2: No, I started with typical sort of UK diving and uh, up to sort of a high end of Scotland and the uh, World War I fleet and Scapa Flow um, and into Oban. Um, so you could combine uh, diving with also a whiskey tour later on in the afternoon um, and then only later on into mainly into Egypt. Um, and then on to sort of spread my wings into sort of Maldives and then even wider sort of Cocos and Galapagos. And that's where liverboards come into their own.
1: So a lot to unpack there. Uh, Part of this podcast is going to be kind of just trying to figure out where the best dive sites are in the world because I remember when I was starting out and I would Google best diving in the world, I would get the same rehashed, you know, top 10 places. And even then, even kind of as a beginner, I knew... That the people writing these articles have probably never been diving before. They would always write, like, I don't know, Blue Hole in mm. um, Belize. They'd write Kotal in Thailand. They would write Great Barrier Reef, and you know. And I was like, you know what? Some of these are decent, but I guarantee there is way better diving than these ten places that every single magazine or article. Yeah. You know, n- they're not even dive magazines. It's just like you know, it could be like like a men's health magazine or something. Yeah. I I feel like someone wrote this list out of the top of their
2: head and then everybody's copied it. I mean, diving can be so diverse. It it, it gets everybody's sort of choices and and talents that they want. My top three uh, are definitely Galapagos for for the sea life and underwater life. It's like being in a National Geographic magazine. Um, Then you can go all the way to, to as diverse as Mexico and the cenotes and cave diving. Um, and then my last one, but also top of the list, is Truck Lagoon and, and the Imperial Japanese War Fleet um, in micro-Indonesia. For me, those are, are my, my sort of bucket list trips.
1: I like it. So the one place that I that's just on the top of my bucket list is Galapagos. And I think that's the one place that hasn't disappointed me yet in terms of just asking people who have been there. And we'll probably try to get Katie to talk about this next because she's been there. No, wasn't you. No, Victoria's been there. Galapagos. Okay, we'll try to get Victoria on to share her experience. But I think there's a lot of places that, you know, we hype up in our heads. Like, for example, um, the Great Barrier Reef. And you talk to people, and some people will be like, oh yeah, it was great. And then some people will be like, ah, it's actually not as good as people hype it out to be.
2: Yeah, it's it's one of those. I haven't had the... The pleasure to, to dive the Great Barrier Reef but and there are there are places like that which will maybe become over commercialized and not about the actual experience and the wildlife that you're diving with and I think the more remote the sort of places you go to uh, whether it be French Polynesia uh, whether it be Palau or, or Galapagos and so on the the further away they are um, and uh, the less people that are there diving it the, the better their experience um, the wildlife is certainly there
1: yeah I mean I can definitely see that I mean it's just the more divers that the more you know, things might get scared away or just don't want to deal with the crowds. Mm-hmm. But also, I think it has more to do with kind of um, development than it has to do with actually just the amount of divers. Because, for example, like in Thailand, there's 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 there there's no diving around Koh Samui, but there is around Koh Tao. And the only difference, because I, I think 100 years ago, they both had equal dive sites. Yeah. There's no reason why they wouldn't. They wouldn't, Yeah. The reason why kosamoe doesn't have good diving anymore, or any diving, it has zero, is because it's development. So when they build beach bungalows or hotels on the beach, what happens is that sand, uh, instead of having you know trees and dirt kind of keeping the sand from washing in onto the coral, what happens with this kind of just long white sand beaches is every time it rains, that water, that sand just gets washed and covers the coral and it just eventually just covers it and it's gone
2: oh yeah i mean it, you definitely notice a difference so the, the more remote you, you you're getting the natural land and vegetation all the way down to the sea and actually into it including the mango swamps and so on whereas where as you're quite rightly said where you've got the development you have nothing holding back mother nature from uh taking off the top stool and dumping it on top of the reef
1: yeah exactly and that's why even in thailand the, the best dive sites there mm-hmm. are the ones that aren't near the shore mm-hmm. uh some Tao, there's chumpon which is it's just forty five minutes away, but it's a sea pinnacle, so there's nothing to cover it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Sail Rock, which is off of Kepanyang, but it's also just a, a pinnacle. There's nothing there, and then Hindang Hinwang in Kolanto, which is the other side, but that's also like a, a pin- pinnacle. It's like a four hour drive from anything. So, and, then, and I guess Similans too. It's just it's just not close to anything.
2: I mean, some of the most natural diving that I've that I've been fortunate to have, other than talking about Galapagos, is then doing something like the cenotes in Mexico, uh, where you, you you're going over even as a as a recreational diver um, you can do it, and you're going over seabeds that are a million years old, um, looking at fossils of uh, conch shells, and uh, the most peaceful environment with the sun coming down through, and that is completely remote and in the jungle, and uh, that is probably the most peaceful um, diving that they, that I've that I've experienced. So. Yeah, I like it. I think diving for me, it's kind of given me an excuse to travel more. Oh, yes, definitely. See parts of the world that you would never, ever have seen before not being a diver. So it's a typical beforehand, before I started diving, would have been the sort of the resort on the beach and, and sitting there for two weeks and enjoying the sun and the pool and, and, and don't get me wrong, and the cocktails. Um, but when you get in, you start diving, you can have that same sort of hotel experience, but on a liverboard um, in a remote part like we are now in the Maldives, no other boats around, watching an awesome sunset and um, having after having a great day worth of diving. Um and you have, you have the whole place to yourself. There's nothing better than that sort of enclosed, circular experience.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And to be honest, like now when I think of just going to a beach or just going on, like some people go boating, right? Where they literally take a boat trip just, just to drive around. And to me, it seems so boring. Like, you know, I like being on a boat to go somewhere to do something. And or, you know, if I go to a like, uh, island somewhere, if I'm going to go to a tropical island, I want to do something while I'm there. I don't want to just lay in the sand. I mean, it's great for two hours, yeah. but after that. And just, there's nothing else to do
2: I mean take the Maldives as an example you can uh, sit on one island for two weeks and see nothing of the whole area or you can be on a liverboard and you can cover a number of different atolls seeing a, waking up to a different place each morning and being able to have the diving experience as well and that's just where liverboards come into their own as, as, a, as, a, as a diving entity um, is that you can travel for example in Egypt you can go start up at, in the north and go all the way to the south by, down by the Sudan border um, and you just wouldn't be able to do that sitting in a hotel. You, know, you don't experience the country. You don't experience the culture. And more importantly, you don't experience the wildlife.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, like, it's funny because when I told everyone I was coming to Maldives, everybody just assumed it's a honeymoon destination. And it's just a kind of what they've seen in Instagram photos, of people sitting on the beach with a coconut, with a cocktail. And what's really funny is my buddy Tung he he He's here, and he wrote on on his Facebook profile, he's going to Maldives, and everybody said, "Oh, you know, like congratulations on your wedding. It's a great honeymoon destination." and he had to he had to comment back saying, like, oh, my wife's not here. <laughs> I'm with <a> Johnny <laughs> diving.
2: Well, I'm the, I'm the same. Um, I, I've left the far better half uh, at home, um, and uh, she didn't have the leave this time to, to come out. But, you, but you're quite right. It goes from a honeymoon destination to being able to share it with a, a whole variety of, 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 of new people, which, is, which has been a great experience.
1: Well, you know what's funny is I used to think that liveboards were prohibitively expensive. That's why when I was in Thailand, you know, and, and diving in Thailand, you know, to be fair, is some of the cheapest in the world. So a dive might be, let's say, thirty dollars a dive. So you might spend sixty or ninety dollars a day. And the you know hotels are pretty cheap there. Food's cheap in Thailand. So I always thought, you know, I can't pay two thousand dollars or twenty five hundred dollars or or more for a liveaboard. That sounds insane, but in reality, it actually. I mean, I, do you think it's more – do you do it more because it's the only way to see some of the best dive sites that are really remote or – you know, do you actually find,
2: do you think it's a good value? Uh, both, both definitely. I mean, you you definitely get to see the best dive sites, without a doubt. Uh, the day boats just can't reach some of the destinations uh, that, that we that we go to, um, not only in the Maldives, but in plenty of other places. Um, and as for bank for buck or, or value per dive, uh, it's, you can't get the better. You've got the, the five-star hotel experience of what you have on the Blue O2 or the Master Blue Voyager, the boat we're now, uh, as well as being able to have the superb um, diving that we've got off, off the reef
1: yeah, and well, what's funny? Um, I was talking to Sada, who's the Belgium girl here, and she was saying that in Komodo, the diving there is really, really good. But I didn't see the best sites because I was diving from a land-based resort, and if I and you know the fact that the liverboard can go so much further, basically I missed out on the best dives
2: yeah she's a very experienced diver she's done a done a lot of travel so she adds real value to to what she says and uh, uh that's that is the definite advantage of of the liverboard is uh, the variety of places that you can go and the and places that can't be reached um from from general hotels and and day boats it's,
1: yeah you know it's kind of a shame'cause you know it'd be nice to be able to just stay at a resort. On that, but I don't know. It's kind. Of, it's kind of nice being on a boat.
2: It is in a way because it keeps the it keeps the dive sites in pristine condition. There's not too many divers on them, um, and uh, it allows for the the marine life and in in the parks that they, that they are there uh, to remain established and and to thrive. Yeah.
1: Actually, what's funny is today I saw a different a, like a diver that wasn't part of our group underwater, and I was surprised because it's been like ten days, and this was the first time I've seen. A diver underwater that wasn't part of our group.
2: No, I know. It's, uh, we've, we've been very fortunate that we've pretty much had the dive sites to ourselves. You know, By one or two, the whole 10 days has been us by ourselves. It's been great. Yeah, Can't it's beat crazy. It.
1: And like in Cotel it's so weird because every every single uh, dive you go on, you're probably going to see 30, 40 other people it's just normal we call them diver fish
2: oh pretty much so i mean there's some dive sites says, um, in egypt where you can have, you can have over 300 400 people on one on one site spread over over the whole of the dive site um it's crazy it's, um, it's sea of bubbles
1: how's the diving in the red sea in egypt
2: very very nice i mean that's that's those were my first level board, so very good memories it's uh temperature's great uh, the reefs further south uh, are, are beautiful in the, in the colors um they Beautiful places like Saint John's, Daedalus, uh, the Brothers, where you you get not only uh, the reef action and, and the, the soft corals and the hard corals, but also you, you get the pelagics as well. And then you go up further north uh, into the Straits of Tehran, You've got wonderful, uh, wonderful long, deep walls there, um, as well as famous uh, dive sites on 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 wrecks such as uh, the Thistle Gorm. Okay, so pelagics for those who don't don't know the term or what? Sharks, sharks, and and, and your big stuff.
1: So, or like what type of uh, big stuff can you see in the Red Sea?
2: Oh, uh, hammerheads, definitely. I've had hammerheads and um I've had thresher, thresher sharks as well as your typical white tips and and uh, along the reef.
1: Those are two sharks on my list that I haven't seen yet I oh,
2: know they're pretty awesome there uh, we were very fortunate we've had a, a dive off Daedalus uh, where we've had 14 or 15 hammerhead on, on one side then we've had a pot of dolphins come straight through and then sailfish all in one shot so there's just no other place you could get that you get all that in sort of five minutes it was a, an awesome dive that sounds really good. So, in the for the, so for Egypt, is it
1: one of those places where you should go on a liverboard, or can you do it from from shore? You can
2: do, but for the best experience, is definitely uh, a liverboard. Um, and uh, uh, if you, if you are a diver, uh, certainly non divers can, can be on a liverboard as well. So don't take it that I, you've got to leave your partner at home who who doesn't dive. Uh, and there's certainly enough to do. There's a there's it's just like a hotel. There's a sun deck. There's most of them have a jacuzzi. Um, and uh, so if you. you Accommodation-wise and food-wise, you completely fine with being a being a diver as well as a diver, and everybody welcomes you. You're part of a, a big family once you're on board.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, we kind of have to because we're we're like literally having every single meal together for twelve days. Definitely. Yeah. So you kind of you get to know each other pretty well.
2: Yeah, it's always the first one or two days. Uh, it's uh, um, everybody's a little bit nervous, and until so they get to know each other, and then by the time everyone's left, it's uh, lifelong friends. Yeah, I like it. So, where was your first liverboard ever? Egypt uh um so doing the northern northern rex and reefs uh, was was the very first one and uh, I was completely blown away and uh, so much so that I f- flew back to the UK and uh, booked another ticket and flew straight back out the next month to really? do to That's do the exact same. same itinerary again uh, and uh, um, yeah af- it was absolutely amazing. Okay so mm.
1: you recommend that one?
2: Oh yes yeah yeah northern rex and reefs or, or deep south they they all fantastic itineraries.
1: Okay. Uh is this your first time in the Maldives?
2: No, so third third time. lucky enough to be here for my third time. So my third liverboard here. And this, this time it's just a liverboard only because it's an extended Um, a sort of 10 to 12 days, where previously it's been a week liverboard and then a, a, week on a, a week on an island before flying right. out.
1: Nice. And have you done like the north or the south yet?
2: I've been lucky enough. So I've done the first one was the southern atolls, um, and the second one was all the northern, and now on this itinerary, the central. So pretty much over <laughs> the three trips now, we have been able to cover all the different atolls that are there.
1: Okay. Nice. And like, what's the difference between... So I, we've only do- dove the, the center out tolls this trip and the highlights. So I guess it's hard to say because we actually got a little bit unlucky with visibility. It's December 17th now. We started December what, 12th? Yes. And normally the season would have changed by now and this this would be high season with good visibility great weather we had a lot of haze kind of in the sky the first 5 days and the the visibility's been kind of mediocre sometimes poor uh and then once in a while good but like it, it just it wasn't what Maldives is known for
2: I mean is a change of a month so you, you sort of see cleaning itself so you do get a, a, a bit of a, a haze there or plankton boom certainly the, the, the better months are January February March uh, and that's probably the, the top diving months uh, in, the, in the Maldives and where the water is great uh, but I've been other times of the year I've been later in the year as well where, it, where it, uh, in June and July where it's also even though it's a rainy season uh, we've had we've had good diving here I haven't had a bad bad trip or, or a bad dive there's always something to see um, if it's it's crystal clear you're going to see the great big pelagics and the mantas and the whale shocks if it's a little bit hazy you start to focus a little bit more on the macro and you start looking for the smaller things which are just as exciting you know such as the shrimps and the octopus and, and that sort of stuff that are that are all around and hiding so each dive is unique in its own and uh, as the saying goes is, there's never a bad dive just a bad diver so.
1: yeah well I definitely think there's there's some easier dives that are kind of easier to to look around and just be like oh everything's amazing and, I, and you know what I think I, I i try to enjoy any dive you know whether you we know, don't whatever the weather or the visibility is especially because you can't always control it uh but the few times that we had really good viz and really good weather it made me think this is why people come here it's it is blowing. oh uh, yeah incredible. i mean
2: you just you'd look at the the night dive we did with the with the no sharks last night where you sat down and you had over 100 nurse sharks above you you had nurse shots coming in Diving in between you, feeding and so on, uh, with the rays of the previous before we had the manta, uh, the manta night dive as well, coming right up, almost sliding up your sliding up your bodies as they as they're doing their barrel rolling, uh, as well as as the mantas we've had during the daytime on on the cleaning stations. There's always been something different to see each day. Then of course the whale shark hunting, you know, searching for that elusive whale shark for two days, and then all of us in the land and the sea um, diving with it. Great, great experience.
1: Yeah, of course. So I would say the the kind of highlights of the center atolls with those two night dives, the one with the manta rays and then the other one with the nurse sharks. Um, it'd be the whale sharks if you could find them while diving. Oh, yes. We unfortunately, we didn't find them while diving, but we got to snor- snorkel with them. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Baby whale sharks here. Uh, and then there was a, a manta kind of day. I actually, I think so. We, we jumped that same site twice in the morning. We didn't see it and then the afternoon we had three Mando. i actually skipped out but you guys saw three oh of them.
2: we had three men of close close up over our heads onto the cleaning station uh hung with us for quite a while and on i mean on the other days we've had great shark action today in, in the morning on both dives uh hooking onto the reef because of the strong currents so the stronger the currents the sharks come in
1: yeah i guess and, that's another highlight is the oh they're all black tips today right Grey Reef Sharks. Grey Reefs? Yeah.
2: Grey Reef Sharks mainly today. I and a, couple a ton of, of them. A couple of white tips. A huge amount. Yeah. Huge amount. So, got to have your GoPro on a, on a, on a sort of widescreen. Okay. Um, and we've also had quite a few eagle rays as well. So, being able to swim up close to the eagle rays. Um, taught how. We've, what, what has been fantastic about the liverboard is that we've had people come in from the Moldavian... Institute um, and research organisation uh, who gave us a, a talk on whale shark and uh, and also we've done some mentor identification so it's a learning process as well that's been on the boat and we've had some fantastic presentations. Um, both from the hotel management on the boat and from our external in source, so it's it's also a learning experience uh, as much as you want it to be. Uh, and then you've also got a downtime. You just had a uh, an evening on a on a, a desert island watching a sunset, drinking a beer. Yeah, what a better way to to have deco time? Um, uh, you know, after the dives.
1: Yeah, it, it's been nice. I, I really liked it. Yeah.
2: Um, so for the Northern tolls, are there some highlight dives? Suddenly so Bar and Ra and you go to a place called Hanifaru and you and you have all the, the mobular rays uh and they're just barrel rolling and you sort of have well, I, I saw maybe Manta and uh, you, you, sorry, mobula mantas and you, uh, you have. We had about fifty, but you can get 200, 300, 400 all, all at a time. I mean, pretty much as as we were told today, you can almost see them from space. There's, there's so many there when when are they in season, um, and that's in a national park, and you you get to snorkel snorkel with them, not necessarily dive with them. Um, but each each area is different, and each area is unique in its own. So there's you can't even say there's a favorite atoll, you know. Yes, I probably prefer. The south, maybe a little bit more uh, for the bigger pelagics and the, and the channels uh, and the stronger currents. Um, but then you, you get to dive with mantas up in the north and you just, you, you can't knock that. What are some of the highlights dives in the south? Mainly mainly on the channels, similar to what we've sort of done today. You're going into a channel going down to between twenty five and thirty meters, so I suppose in uh, in old money that's what about hundred feet? Uh, 80, 80 feet to hundred feet. Um uh, hooking on and and actually just relaxing and watching the world go by. Uh it's 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 kinda of like the underwater version of sitting in the in a cafe having a cup of coffee and, 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 and watching the world walk past.
1: Yeah, it's actually kinda of cool. I think I think mm-hmm. I've seen like a, a cartoon about that where it, it's almost like a super highway where you're oh, just watching definitely, yeah. sharks and
2: fish yeah. swim by. And as they get used to you, they come closer and closer and closer and uh, nothing to be scared of. It's it's just a great, awesome experience.
1: Okay. Uh, Yeah, I I can see myself coming back to the Maldives again to do either the north or south. What, What do you think I should do first?
2: It depending on the season, so it depends where you can go uh, you know but but either are they're all just as good as each other um and just just come with the right season because some some you'll have well shark signings more prevalent in, in one one month and and then you will and other things in a in another month okay yeah
1: very, very good yeah. point,
2: yeah, so do your research, you know hover it up i mean when you phone you book like yeah ask them the months, and they'll they'll tell you the best months to come okay yeah, I like it uh
1: so aside from maldives um What I want to say, would you say Galapagos was, was the top?
2: Galapagos is my, my personal uh, top, um, and uh, as I said, it's like driving in a, in a National Geographic magazine, no matter where you look, so it wasn't so much just seeing one thing on one day, uh, on one dive you may see a whale shark, you may see, you may see hammerheads, you, you may, may see Galapagos shark, you may see tiger sharks, you had seven or eight different sort of pelagics and species all in, all in a one hour, 60 minute dive, um, it's, it's sort of uh, wildlife on steroids really.
1: Yeah. I, I like it. You know what's crazy is they say that one of the best things about scuba diving is in one hour you can see more life than you would hiking through a jungle or for months or even a year. Yeah, I mean, certain, like,
2: certainly the big stuff. I mean, it's it's just amazing. But it's it's like it's like any sort of thing that you're looking at, whether you're looking at wildlife on land, uh, or whether you, you're looking at a under underwater. It's about picking the place, sitting there and waiting for it to come to you. Uh, if you chase it, it goes away. So you can spend a you can spend a week running around everything and not seeing a thing, or you just hook in, or pick a hide, and everything else at some stage has to come past, go for a water drink, or or feed, or for reef.
1: Yeah. yeah, I like it. So okay. Uh, aside from Galapagos, what, what, what is another top, top place you've been to?
2: For me, Truck Lagoon. Where, where is that? So, Truck Lagoon is in micro-Indonesia, um, okay. just south of, south of Guam, um, and that is where, um, for, for a little bit of American history, so uh, the Japanese uh, Imperial War Fleet was stationed there during World War II, and from there, they launched the attack on Pearl Harbor. Um, the Americans after Pearl Harbor uh, then had Operation Swordfish and uh, they sent the reconnaissance planes over uh, because the main battleships, Japanese Japanese battleships were there and um, they actually spotted reconnaissance planes and the battleships went out but there remained 70 frigates were there carrying all sorts of things from tanks and armaments and so on, uh, submarine base, there was also a, a, a seaplane um, and zero Based there in Guam, um, and they they destroyed it, and they have become the wrecks, wrecks okay. of the century.
1: So, would it be made for the wrecks, or, or are there also a lot of...
2: Wrecks, but the wrecks, cool. oh, it's so rarely dive that the wrecks in themselves have become reefs.
1: Okay. I mean, honestly, I, I've never really been that into to wrecks. I don't know why. I, I'll, I'll check them out sometimes, but it's never been a top priority for me.
2: Yeah, it, look, it, it's some people are into metal, some people are into reefs. I, I, I like both, and uh, I like the history. I like the history of the wrecks and understanding it, and also the beauty of it. It's a remembering, you know. Also, you, 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 people lost lives. You, you're remembering them just by going to the site. So there's, there's a, there's emotion to it as well. Okay,
1: that makes sense. All right, and I guess kind of quickly, what are some of the other kind of what, what do you think the top five or ten places in the
2: world to to dive are? Okay, for me, Galapagos, Track Lagoon. Mexico and the Cenotes, Maldives, and Egypt. Okay, nice. And
1: has there been anywhere that you've been where you, you know you wouldn't go again, where it was a little bit overrated?
2: Probably the Mediterranean uh, as a diving destination. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a cold water and unfortunately now uh, a dead sea due to, to overfishing. So while still a very nice holiday destination and, and lots of beautiful countries around the Mediterranean, as a diving destination, uh, not, not the place for me. Where did you dive in the med? Uh, I've dived all around Spain, um, Malta, um, and all the way up to to Greece. Um, yeah, and, I, I've and, done the same. Yeah. I've
1: done actually. I've only snorkelled in Spain because um, I knew the diving wasn't going to be very good. I went diving in Greece, even though I knew it wasn't going to be very good, and it wasn't very good. No, but yeah,
2: it's unfortunate. Um, it is. It's yeah. just it's 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 an it's, an, it's an, almost an enclosed sea, um, and over, over time has has become overfished. A, yeah.
1: And you know what? That's the biggest problem. Yeah. And, you know, it's sometimes, you know, governments incorrectly think that because there's too many divers, that's what's destroying the oceans. It, it's not. If anything, you know, it might be a tiny impact if you have just too many, especially if, you know, if, mm-hmm. if, if it's lawless and people are throwing anchors over. But the real damage is being done by global warming and, you know, water temperatures ri- rising, killing all the coral and overfishing and, and not just overfishing but the type of fishing that people do the you know bottom trawling or the the long line trawling we're just killing everything
2: uh, most definitely and probably the biggest concern now is plastics plastics in the ocean and and the damage that they they're creating so if, if any of your followers are down at a beach pick up a piece of plastic and uh, put it in the bin and uh, it helps the environment
1: yeah and if anything i think having divers it We're basically ambassadors for the sea. We see what's going on. I mean, even for me firsthand in the last 10 years that I've been diving, I've seen Thailand, you know, just change underwater. Way less fish, you know, corals, you know, are are damaged. Um, And it's being able to see that firsthand, you know, it's sad, but it's also very, you know, hopefully divers become in a position where we can make laws, where we can, you know, influence laws to... To protect what is something that
2: most people don't see. Yeah, I mean, we we divers become the ambassadors of the oceans, and uh, it's up it's up to us to if we want to sort of preserve that environment for not only for our own enjoyment now, but for the next generation's uh, enjoyments. Uh, it, it's a, it is an education process, uh, and to try and protect that that very very delicate environment and fragile environment that we have.
1: Yeah, I love it. So appreciate you uh, coming on. It's a pleasure. The show. We got a couple more more days of diving. It's been fun. It has. Yeah. Uh, if people want to check out your YouTube channel to see some of the videos that you made on this trip, how can they find you?
2: Uh, Andrew Lee on 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 YouTube, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll give you I'll give you a link for them to find.
1: Yeah, because Andrew Lee is definitely going to come. <laughs> no, up. it's going uh, to. They, they, they can search on YouTube for it. Andrew Lee Andrew Lee Andrew 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 Galapagos. Galapagos. Yep. Okay,
2: and uh, and you'll see some of the stuff there or Andrew Lee Truck Lagoon
1: okay perfect Thanks thank for coming you on. thank you very much yeah. Tony all right so up next we have Katie who made a cameo at first Katie you want to say your name where you're from and what you do for work
3: hi I'm Katie I am from um, Texas originally but I live in Los Angeles now and I do logistics for television
1: that's cool mm. so like how often do you get vacation time
3: um, I'm a freelancer, so I sort of take my vacation time when I can between jobs. I usually work about nine months a year and take the other three off, um, but it depends on the year and what shows come my way.
1: It's got it's cool that you chose to liverboard, especially like on, my, on your own too as a vacation. That's not that's not normal, right? It's not typical.
3: Uh, I guess I'm so used to traveling by myself. Um, a lot of my friends. Either don't have the finances to travel as much as I do, or they don't get the vacation time, and so finding a balance is really tough. And I figured out a long time ago that I could either wait for someone to have the same, you know, goals and um, travel plans as me, um, or I could just do it by myself, and haven't looked back since.
1: I think a cool thing about doing liverboards is you—you're guaranteed to have. To even if you come alone, to have 10, 20, 30 people who have similar interests oh, that yeah. you, you probably could get along with.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. It's a it's a captive audience, too. Somebody's got to talk to you, right? Um, I, I say this frequently to people who ask me, you know, how I could possibly go on a trip like this by myself. And really, I found that you're never lonely in a group of divers. Um, we all tend to be kind of. Diving nerds, especially when you're talking about someone who's willing to invest the time and the financial resources into doing a liveaboard, um, you're you're talking about dive nerds. So people want to talk about fish they've seen, places they've been, um, anything related to diving, tech gear, whatever. You've got an automatic in um, something in common, which I think really helps a lot.
1: Yeah, I, I find that as well. It's, it's always kind of easy. Yeah. easy conversation
3: yeah it's e- yeah. it's easy to get into and then you know obviously it it transitions into other things and you learn you know other non-diving related things about yeah. the people you're basically living with for you know a week or 10 days so what
1: got you into diving in the first place
3: um i was working on a show in fiji and the first couple days off that we had while we were there everybody was going out diving and I was really honestly just kind of tired of being left behind so you know FOMO basically um I wasn't able to dive as a child my dad dives um, my brother dives but um it was never really an option for me because my I couldn't equalize my ears so um I decided to try again as an adult and had a lot more luck, and now uh, all the people I work with really wish I would shut up about diving.
1: That's cool. So do you still have trouble equalizing?
3: No. No problems at all. It's do you, been. you think
1: it's just something you kind of grew into or grew out of? Yeah,
3: I think you grow out of it. I mean, I'm sure some people don't, but I got lucky, and I did.
1: Okay. And where was the... So did you dive in Fiji?
3: Yeah. I learned to dive in Fiji... Um, used my per diem uh to you know walk down the beach to the little dive shop at the next resort over and um yeah two and a half years later here i am
1: wow that's cool Uh, how is the diving pg
3: it's really beautiful um the viz is almost always awesome um, obviously, if they get a big storm comes through, that changes things. But for the most part, the visit is beautiful. Um, the reef condition really depends on where you are. The closer to the mainland that you are, um, the more overfished it's likely to be. But there are some uh, more remote places in Fiji that are beautiful. And then there's obviously a f- very famous shark dive at Benga. Um, where they do feed the sharks, which is controversial, but it is an incredible dive. Um, They do a lot of good conservation work. What what kind of sharks are they? Mostly bull sharks. Um, I've only done it once. They do occasionally get tigers, but I unfortunately didn't see any.
1: But even bull sharks, that'd be crazy to see that.
3: Yeah, and they're big and fat because they get fed twice a day, five days a week, so... it's. It is. There. People feel a lot of ways about f- shark feeding dives. Um, this one, I think, probably does more good than harm, because basically they've created a preserve, um, and the money from that diving pays the villages that would otherwise overfish that area. So it also does a lot of bringing awareness. To big animals, and people seeing that you know, sharks are these incredible animals and they're not man eaters, even though bull sharks can be aggressive towards humans. Um, you know, it's I think it's really important for people to see that you know, you can have a positive encounter with a big shark.
1: Yeah, and these are big too. Like, how, how big were these guys? They were probably between three
3: and four meters. It's been over a year since I've so done that. Like ten that, and twelve feet long. Yeah, so pretty big. They're pretty okay. big sharks. They're they're not the monster, you know, four, five, six meter sharks that are out in the world, but they are a chunky,
1: four, yeah, like, four meters. They're like the pit bull of sharks, right?
3: Yeah, they they are very girthy, yeah. um, particularly where their fins meet their body.
1: So, like, I guess, like it's it's almost kind of crazy how casually we talk about sh- diving with sharks. To someone who hasn't done it before, like I mean, I'm sure your friends like when they see you know videos of photos, like what do they think?
3: yeah, well, the ones who dive are always really jealous i uh, I posted a video of our nurse shark dive last night, and one of my friends who does dive wrote me back and was like, I hate you. When are we going to Mexico? Um, but for people who don't dive. Obviously, we grew up with the movie Jaws, and dun
1: dun, dun dun, dun dun.
3: and so with that perception of sharks, yeah, of course, people are terrified to get in the water, and and you do hear stories about surfers and getting attacked by sharks or swimmers and that kind of thing. And and the reality is, is that more often than not, it's a case of my mistaken identity. And the other thing that People don't really think about is when we don't when we're curious about something we usually reach for it with our hands to figure out what it is um, unless you're a baby and then you put it in your mouth and that's kind of the way sharks are. Sharks don't have hands, so in order to figure out what something is, they have to take a little sort of test bite. And so, if you're backlit on the surface you especially in a wetsuit or on a surfboard you could be a turtle or a seal um when you're underwater they have a better idea of what you are and so the likelihood that they're going to come and take a little nibble out of you is really dramatically reduced
1: yeah i mean i guess like when i dive with sharks i kind of just assume and, and I think the substance is correct. Like they don't want to eat us. Like we're not their food. We don't taste good to them. No. And if it happens, it's kind of it's by accident. Almost always at the surface. Do Do you ever think you know we're taking a risk, or is it just like such a small chance that we're just like uh, it's like you know getting in an airplane. It could crash, but most likely it's not going to.
3: Yeah, of course. And you're talking about an a wild animal. Um. So yeah, of course, there's always a chance that you do something that startles the shark and they react in a way that you'd rather they not. But again, I feel that the risk is relatively small. Um, So I don't worry about it, especially if it's a species that I'm familiar with that I've dived with before. And I would imagine that if there was a species that I really needed to behave a certain way around that, The dive guide would give me a little heads up.
1: Yeah, that makes sense, and I kind of think of it as you know, if I went hiking, you know, there is a chance I might hurt myself and I might die.
3: You could get eaten by a bear, and a bear is much more likely to be aggressive towards you
1: than a shark. And at the end of the day, it's so beautiful to dive with sharks that it's like it's one of those things that I'd I'd rather take the small small chance than sit at home and you know not not do anything and, and not enjoy oh, yeah, life right?
3: for sure i would i would rather i would blow bubbles any
1: day rather than not blow bubbles i like it well we just heard the uh dinner bell go off i believe or no did it not why is everyone sitting upstairs still i don't know i think maybe they're waiting did. for us <laughs> so let's uh let's grab some food and let's continue this podcast boom
3: meow
1: Part two. All right, so we just got back from dinner. Delicious dinner. The food has been really good, actually.
3: Food's been great. Yeah. Really no complaints. Lots of variety. Yeah, no complaints. Tasty.
1: Yeah, it's kind of weird on liverboard. It seems like our daily schedule is you wake up, you eat, you have a light breakfast, like cereal, bread. You dive. You have a full breakfast. Second breakfast, like hobbits. Second breakfast, yeah. You rest, dive, lunch rest, dive, <laughs> dinner
3: so our lives are basically controlled by this bell and you really only have to know two things and this may be less for guys but the bell rings and your hair is dry, then it's time to dive, if the bell rings and your hair is wet then it's time to eat
1: oh, that's pretty smart and I that's, that.
3: that's all we do yeah, and we're, I have like wore watch. trained.
1: I haven't looked at the time, and I haven't worn shoes or even flip flops in ten days.
3: I haven't worn underwear.
2: Ooh,
1: bikinis, but okay, well, no fine. underwear. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, why do you do this? Like, why do you come on these boats? I think, like
3: Andrew said, it's just. A really awesome way to one be surrounded by like-minded people people who really care for the ocean and are interested in a common hobby um, but also you get to see the best dive sites in the world and you don't have to do anything except for show up when the damn bell rings you know the gears you set it up once and they just refill the same tank um, it's just it's such an easy way to dive and really fun as well and on you know the bonus on top of that is that you're seeing sites that are or can be really untouched and you know reefs generally in really good condition because there's not the daily traffic and all the pollution and all of that so it's it's easy diving on it's not necessarily the physical aspects you know with currents and all of that but it's it's an, easy holiday you know most of the work is done for you somebody cleans your bathroom and fills your tank and all of that and you just show up and dive
1: yeah it is kind of a a weird mixture between not having any responsibilities but always being exhausted and always wanting to take a nap
3: absolutely yeah i've another perk i always sleep super well super well because you know three four dives a day being out in the sun and in the water it's exhausting um so excellent rest
1: yeah well okay so your non-diver friends back home especially yeah. in la do they think you're insane for doing this i mean because it's it's expensive and it's your whole like your your whole vacation well,
3: I mean, as a freelancer, it's not necessarily my whole vacation. Um, I'm pretty lucky to... I usually work about nine months a year and take three off. So I, it's not all of my vacation time necessarily. It could be depending on the year. But um, I think at this stage, my friends at home, most of the text messages I get from them start with, where are you right now? So i i think they're just used to it yeah because
1: you travel a lot for work right
3: i travel a lot for work and then when i'm not working um i don't really have a whole lot that ties me to los angeles so i prefer to use that time to travel instead of sitting on my couch watching netflix or going to the you know same bar i've been to a million times um get out and see the world
1: yeah I, I, i like that and it's kind of cool. I mean, so a lot of our episodes normally aren't just about scuba diving or a travel. A lot of it is having or creating an alternative life where it allows you to travel and have more than two weeks off a year. Absolutely. So a lot of the guests, you know, they either run like their own businesses, the entrepreneurs. But it's it's cool hearing that there's another path where you can work as a freelancer, not a freelancer online, but a freelancer physically at <laughs> in locations, but still have the ability to travel.
3: Yeah, I mean, and and for me, it's a lot of prioritizing, um, you know, where I want to spend my money. And people always ask me, you know, how can you afford to do this? How, you know, every, whatever, six weeks you're somewhere different. And, um, you know, it's just about making it a priority. And if you make it a priority, the money will work itself out. But if you're going to the bar and dropping 100, 200 bucks a night, you know, two, three nights a week, you know, there's a plane ticket to with airfares the way they are now, um, you know, from Los Angeles, you could get to Asia for 600 bucks. If you find the right deal, you get to Europe for 600 bucks if you find the right deal. So it's possible. You just you have to, you know choose the right priorities and then having a flexible work schedule as a freelancer you know i don't have health insurance i don't have a 401k but for me the trade-off is i have a life that i really love
1: that makes sense and what you said about the expenses and you know going out to drink i was just in la you know a few months ago and i remember we went to have mexican mexican food yeah and, uh, like a decent place not not like a taco, but just like a like a trendy kind of restaurant k and dave's I don't remember the name of it but it's <laughs> something like that and then we had we had you know one drink each with a margarita and we had and I remember I didn't even order the most expensive combo because I wanted to save some money yeah and the, it was still 40 or $50 a person mm-hmm. after tax and tip it's insane yeah and then we went to a bar and we had you know we ordered one drink each and it was like close to $20 a person after, after tip it was like 16 or seventeen dollars for a cocktail
3: yeah I mean it's I mean even at places that are not crazy expensive in Los Angeles you know eight to twelve dollars for a glass of wine you know don't get me started on the LA craft beer scene I mean you can spend fifteen dollars on a eight ounce pour um, and don't get me wrong I love a really good beer but it, it all adds up.
1: Yeah, it's crazy, and you know the thing is, people don't really. I think the thing that really made me realize how much money people are spending and without realizing it is they wouldn't bat an eyelash, and nobody looked to see how, like, what the prices of the drinks were before they ordered.
3: Yeah, I mean, and you you can't have money just disappear that way Um, and so for me it's been a combination of being really conscious of that and obviously you know I'm not sitting at home alone on every Saturday night although love me a good Netflix night but you make those you know you can make some smart choices and and you know it's like they say you know you cut out Starbucks for a month and if you're you know Spending five bucks, you know, that's $150 a month that you could
1: spend somewhere else. Yeah, that's true. And does your work ever send you, like, where do they, like, what are some of the places they send you?
3: Um, It really depends on the show. I've been to both Cambodia and Fiji for work, Canada, um, specifically Toronto, New York, Washington, D.C., a bunch of little tiny towns in the United States that no one's ever heard of. Um, I've been to Nashville for work, Orlando, Chicago. It really just depends on the show and where where they're shooting.
1: And if you want, can you stay a little bit longer afterwards just to travel or see the place?
3: Yeah, that's always an option, um, depending on schedules and, and some shows for... You know, insurance liability reasons. They want you in on the day that you're meant to arrive and out on the day that you're meant to leave for work. Um, But yeah, for the most part, if you're not moving on to another city with that show, then stay a couple of days or, you know, make the most of. For me, what's been really fun is making the most of days off. Um, I was with a really fun crew in Buffalo, New York, which is no offense to my my loves in buffalo but not um my first choice of destination and we were kind of at a loss for what to do and then realized how close how silly we were being being that close to niagara falls not just going and spending the day um which was beautiful and amazing and the weather was crap and we had a great time anyway
1: i like it that's cool so wh- what are the liverboards you've done?
3: Just this one, and um, about six weeks ago, I did one in the Red
1: Sea. In oh, so Egypt. you went to Egypt. Mm-hmm. Cool. What did you think of that?
3: It was beautiful. Um, I did the northern route, um, so Rex and Reef, and um, as Andrew mentioned, Gorm is well worth the trip on its own. Um, the dive guide, I have not fact-checked this, nor would I know how to, but the dive guide said that... They've been really aggressive about protecting that area because um, it allegedly that one wreck brings in more money in tourism dollars than the pyramids really and no. i find that to be a shocking fact but i also don't know why he would lie about it but if you're thinking about you know total spend you know a visit to the pyramids is you know like 10 bucks maybe and when you're talking about you know dive boats or you know for especially for the day trippers you're looking at you know 60 70 100 dollars I didn't do it on a day trip, so I don't really know what that figure is. But it's not super inexpensive because it is a a ways out from Charm. Um, So I find it a little hard to believe. But if you start doing the math, you know when he's when Andrew's talking about there being three or four hundred divers on a site, um, that's definitely one of them.
1: Yeah, okay, that definitely makes sense. I I remember once I heard a kind of dollar figure on how much a manta ray in borneo is worth alive mm-hmm. versus how much they sell on the black market or the, in the fish market yeah and when you show those numbers and you and you say like look like the poachers are getting $2000 to kill a shark or yeah. to kill a whale shark or manta ray, but that same that same fish brings in $30,000 a year in tourism Mm-hmm. that gives the government a reason to protect that species
3: absolutely it's you know selfishly i want as many of them alive as possible so that when i go to dive borneo i can see as many manta rays as possible I like it so have you been diving Um, I have done a smattering of a lot of places, um, Cozumel, Indonesia, um, off the coast of Bali at Nusa Penida, which was surprisingly beautiful given the, um, plastic pollution issue that they've got there. Um, South Africa, Mozambique, um, I feel like I'm missing something. Oh, Vanuatu. Did I say Fiji. Uh, probably should have started no, with yeah. that. But, but that's a lot of places. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, again, couple, mostly a couple dives here, a couple dives there. Um, but oh, and obviously Egypt. Yeah. Um
1: So and, if you were to kind of rank them, like which ones were your favorites?
3: Oh god, that's so hard. Um I've I've been I've been unbelievably lucky in a lot of places. Um gosh, that's so hard. Um
1: I don't know. Was there okay? Was there one that was didn't live up to the hype? When you wanted to go again, it
3: didn't live up to the hype. Um, I wouldn't say that it didn't live up to the hype for me, but um, I know that at least the time of year that I went, some people expressed a little bit of um disappointment with um the south coast of Durban. Um, in like October the viz is not always amazing um, in South Africa but I really enjoyed my dives there um, there's uh, raggies just everywhere you look most of the time so um, I would say that that was one that I other people expressed that they were
1: disappointed in
3: it but I really enjoyed it so I would say absolutely go
1: and a raggy is a is that a ragtooth shark shark
3: yeah they're called i believe sand tigers in other parts of the world um Australia i know for sure that's what they're called um but yeah ragged toothed sharks uh they they've got a, a mouthful of teeth <laughs> and you can see them you know they don't have to open their mouth at all they're just hanging out there that's crazy mm-hmm
1: Okay and what was the next places that you want to go do you have like a bucket list of places you want to dive oh, next Oh gosh
3: just about anywhere there's diving um I've never dived like the Similans in Thailand um I've never done any diving in Thailand, so I would like to at least give it a go. I know some people find that certain areas of it are overrated, but I'm excited for it. Um, Borneo is a big one for me. Uh, Galapagos, of course, I think is on every diver's bucket list. Um, I'd like to do the cenotes um, in Mexico. Gosh, Outer Outer Great Barrier Reef um is definitely on the list uh i hear depending on who you talk to it's coral bleaching and it's done and it's never coming back and you know some people say oh you know if you get far enough out and they are because they are just really trying to take care of it um that they are that it's coming back which you know fingers crossed that that's the case um i haven't done a lot of diving in the United States. Um, you know, Florida Keys are supposed to be beautiful. I know that you mentioned that the diving in Hawaii was overrated when you were talking to Andrew, which breaks my heart a little bit, but I'd still give it a go. Basically, there's not a place where you can get underwater that I'm not at least a little interested in. I
1: like that. And, and if anything, it's at the end of the day, it's like as long as you go and with open mind and you don't have like dead set expectations, you can enjoy both bases
3: yeah absolutely um there's always something to see and if you're diving somewhere new there is some even if it's the tiniest little fish there's something you haven't seen before um whether it's you know a regional variation um like here Susan, one of our resident fish experts, was telling us about uh, the regional variation on the anemone fish that's here. And apparently it only exists in the Maldives. And when you look at it, if you're not paying attention, it just looks like an anemone fish. But it which, is, has, which is
1: Nemo, by the way. It, which is
3: kind of a Nemo. Um, and, but the ones here, they're sort of like belly fins, um, are black which is not the case anywhere else in the world and so it's a it's a very specific variation and i didn't notice until she said something and then of course on the next dive i made a it concerted effort to look for it
1: yeah i actually noticed that i, I shot by a few and they were like i don't know it's almost like you know, when you see a car that is like painted matte black mm. and you like, That's not the normal color. Something's off. Yeah. And it's just a little bit different. It was was cool. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, And I found that they're a little more shy than an enemy fish that I've found elsewhere. Um, Because usually uh, I've had this experience in a couple of different places. You know, if you get close in on an an enemy fish and you kind of stick your finger out, um, they're very territorial. And so it'll come out and just, like, just give your finger a little nip. And it doesn't hurt. It just kind of tickles really more than anything. But they'll, they'll kind of nip your finger. And here they just, like, kind of back away in terror. So, um, you know, same fish, different ocean, slightly different behavior, and obviously a different look.
1: Yeah, it's cool. So what, the one fish that wasn't shy were these nurse sharks that we swam with.
3: One of them kissed my knee and it was the greatest moment of my life.
1: I actually saw the video and it actually looks like the the shark kissed her knee. Yeah. Like like a like slowly swam up to her, paused for a second, puckered up, <laughs> kissed the knee, and then swam off.
3: Just backed away and was like, Hey, love you. It's like, it's okay, I love you too.
1: That's nice. Well, how what do you think that experience was like?
3: That was I love sharks. Anyone who's ever dived with me knows I love sharks. Um, And nurse sharks are are literally, they're giant sea puppies, really. I mean, even the fully grown ones. Um, They are, like, very affectionate. Affectionate is, I guess, hard to say because you can't really judge a shark's intent. But they are very (laughs) touchy-feely with each other and sort of that... If a human is in their way, that overlaps with humans as well. Um, and they're just playful and fun. And um, last night was really cool to watch them all swirl around. And there were probably 200 sharks over our head at one point. And um, just looking up, especially into the dark and, you know, with the lights shining up, just seeing all these white bellies and... Um, you know, yeah. nurse sharks don't have a whole lot of like big scary teeth, so you're seeing what kind of looks like the underside of a catfish, but it's a big shark, and you know some of them were nearly three meters long, and so it was just kind of cool to be surrounded by them and totally unafraid because they weren't ever going to be aggressive towards us. So
1: yeah, it was cool. Actually, when, you, when you're looking at the the kind of silhouette of them when they're swimming up top, they look like big sharks, yeah. and they swim like big sharks. And you would look, and I remember posting this photo on my Instagram, and people were, you know, freaking out. They're like, "Oh my god! Like, are you, you know, are you okay? Are they dangerous?" And they're
3: puppies. They're sea and, uh, puppies. They're really just cute and playful, and
1: totally fine. But it is crazy that we have swam with two hundred sharks. Mm-hmm. Like, how many people can yeah. say they've done this? I mean,
3: scuba divers are a relatively small percentage of the population, and I would say there's probably not a huge, you know, percentage that have had that particular experience, so pretty cool.
1: Yeah, like, for me, like, just seeing one shark is cool. Yeah. You know, and like, for most people that haven't been diving a lot, they're like, yeah, if I ever with the shark, it'd be crazy. Yeah. And here we are with hundreds of them. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, and if you guys haven't seen the video yet, I'll link it in the show notes here. Or you can just go on YouTube, search Johnny FD Nurse Shark, I guess. Uh, you can find it. Um, are you on social media at all? you want to share anything? I am, but all of my stuff is super private. Is it? Okay. Yeah. So if you want to uh, meet Katie, you ought to come on the next liveaboard somewhere in the world.
3: Yeah, find me on a liveaboard. <laughs> come say hi.
1: What are the... um? What, do you know what your, your next dive plan is? Where do you want to go?
3: Um, I'll be back in Fiji for work at the beginning of March, so that's my next definite plan. Um, One of my girlfriends who saw my shark video from last night, though, is uh, chomping at the bit to get back to Mexico, so we may try to sneak something in before I take off again.
1: Okay, so if you see someone that sounds like Katie in Fiji or Mexico, (laughs) you can say hi to her.
3: Yeah, come and find me.
1: (laughs) Great. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Alright, so our last but not least guests for the special podcast. We have our dive guide and our cruise director extraordinaire. Anka,
0: welcome. Thank you very much. Yeah. So where are you from? Uh, I'm Dutch. I'm from the Netherlands.
1: Very Dutch. Super very Dutch, Dutch
0: yes. <laughs> and how like how long have you
1: been working in diving?
0: Uh, Well, I started out in diving um, uh, work-wise on these safari boats for the last five years. Uh, Before that, I had a dive center in the Netherlands, and I've been working uh, as an instructor since uh,
1: 2005. Wow, nice. Okay. Do you know that I used to work as a dive master? Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) Four years.
0: Wow. Where did you do that?
1: Uh, I started in Thailand. I worked in Koh Tao, Phuket, Koh Lanta, then Borneo. Wow.
0: Yeah. Well, I've done Kotao. The rest uh, are new to me, but uh, I've done Kotao. It was great.
1: Yeah, easy easy diving.
0: Yeah, yeah, but you know, you have water, you have wildlife, so you can have <laughs> some fun.
1: <laughs> right, I like it. So you've been to a lot of places now. Uh,
0: yes, I have. Uh, I'm actually for the company, um, uh, not only dive guide, I'm a fly, what they call a flying cruise director. Uh, so uh, that means that um, uh, we have uh, in total 15 boats in 11 countries. So sooner or later, one of these boats... Uh, need to have uh, uh, a little bit of extra support. And then I'm one of the people that they will uh, ask to be flown in.
1: Nice. And how many of those countries or boats have you been on so far?
0: Uh, I've now done, uh, um, basically, I've been been a long time in Egypt. I've done uh, Indonesia, uh, the Maldives. And at the moment, uh, I'm actually in the Bahamas as destination manager. Oh, that's cool. Hmm.
1: And then in your, I guess, before... I guess you probably don't take vacations and go diving anymore.
0: No, the the time that I have off, I try to spend with uh, friends and family. Uh, The thing is also is that um, what I find awesome about uh, uh, this job is that you get to see how marine life evolves through time. And uh, um, I don't think I would be happy anymore if I would just be somewhere for a week or two weeks to dive on the reef.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's hard because it's it's like taking a gamble, where I know like you know when I was working at a place and I would have I'd be there for three months or six months, and I I would know what it's like when it's good, and then when people come you know and they have bad luck for a week or two, I feel bad for them, but it's also um, I always kind of just tell them like you know just have just come back next time and, yes. <laughs> and maybe have better luck.
0: Yes, yes. No, that's definitely true. I mean, the thing is also is that uh, 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 not just that, not just, you know, you have some, um, let's say, uh, uh, basic things that you can always find on your reef, right? Um but as seasons change, underwater, water temperatures change, and the sorts, uh, uh, you see different species appear and other species disappear. Uh, uh, you have a moment where springtime hits, and s- from one week to the other, suddenly you have three times as much reef fish around. Those moments, I just love those moments. So for me, uh, to hit that, I mean, for sure, I mean, I've not been toegelapigus yet. I want to be there, and I want to go there, and the likelihood for me to be there for three months is kind of small. So sooner or later, I'm going to book myself a trip. But if I got a chance to be there for like two, three months, yeah, I'm going to take it.
1: Well, that's a, a really cool thing about working in the dive industry is we're able to you know work in a place and dive for two or three months at a time as long as that company happens to, to be diving there.
0: Yes, yes. Well, in, in, in my case... Uh, Uh, Because uh, uh, we have uh, three fleets, um, Master Liverboard, Siren Fleet, and Blue 2. We have so many boats, uh, and there's so much things going on that, uh, yeah, I have a good chance of meeting many of these locations, hopefully. I wish them all the best, but sooner or later, I hope they need my help. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I
1: mean, people just need to take vacations too, right? Oh,
0: yeah, they do. They do. They do, definitely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, like, I guess before you started working at this company, where else have you dove? Uh,
0: Actually... uh, um, uh, before I started working as a dive guy at all, uh, I used to manage companies in marketing, advertising and design and did my diving uh, more on the side. Uh, and at some point after doing that for two decades, I was done. And uh, uh, I flew into Egypt because I always felt at home in Egypt uh, and it was, you know, relatively close to home because I'm coming out of the Netherlands. Um, And I started working there. So, uh, uh, actually, before this company, I was based in Egypt. Oh,
1: nice. That's the one place. Well, I guess there's a lot of places I haven't been yet. But that's the one place that it seems like everyone I meet has has dove a lot. Yeah. But I've never been. Oh, you should. I want to go. And I, I keep thinking of it, though, as I'm assuming. I think now I realize it actually is very good. But I used to assume people would go because it was the closest place to fly to if you were from the UK or from Europe?
0: Well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, uh, first of all, I think that um, uh, if you look uh, at Europe and you look what is the closest place with, you know, uh, a nice variety in uh, marine life from small nudibranchs to massive ash sharks, uh, then yes, Egypt for sure is uh, is one of your best spots. Um, uh, The thing is also is because the diving industry in Egypt is... First of all, the Red Sea is is massive, and uh, there are a lot of locations, a lot of places you can go. So, if, uh, for instance, uh, you know you're back home, it's fall, and weather is nuts, and you know you need to go away, and you have a chance to go away for a week, you can book yourself into Egypt easily, and that is more difficult in other locations. So, yeah, if you want to do it, easily done.
1: Okay, yeah, it makes sense. But even if it was somewhere further in the world, it's good enough where people would travel to. Yeah,
0: yeah the. The, the the great thing about uh, uh, Egypt is, is uh, you can find, as I said, you can find anything from a nudibranch uh, uh, to tiger sharks. Yeah, even uh, now, I mean, um, I saw this week uh, movies coming out of uh, the Red Sea of whale sharks. Yeah, so uh, everything is in there. Uh, but... The Red Sea is seasonal. So uh, different months will uh, provide with different life. Uh, So it depends on what you're looking for. Um, uh, You need to pick, first of all, if you want to go north, the midsection, or the deep south. Um, And you need to pick your month because every month it will change.
1: Okay. It definitely makes sense. Is there like a super month where kind of things overlap?
0: Yeah, it depends on on what you're looking for. But for instance, Uh, uh, First of all, we have in uh, the Red Sea, we have uh, in the north, uh, a lot of wrecks, yeah, because uh, uh, um, all these boats coming out of Suez, uh, a lot of incidents happen, and all these wrecks are within diveable range, so you can make a full wreck. tour. This is not just for metal lovers, but these wrecks have been down there for so long that they're overtaken by the reef, so there's a lot of life around. Um, And that means that on a trip like that, uh, you'll get great stories, and you can see a lot of marine life. If you're looking for uh, pelagic life, uh, then a great place to go is basically uh, Brothers Daedalus or Elphinstone. These are offshore reefs, deep dropping walls, uh, beautiful soft corals, um uh, But also Plagix, and uh, I'm talking um, Oceanic White Tip, which we are known for, uh, uh, one of the few places in the world where you can dive with them. Uh, we're talking about uh, the scalloped hammerhead, we're talking about white tips, uh, as in reef sharks, uh, grey reef sharks, tiger sharks, uh, but even uh, you can go as far as the whale sharks, as, as I said, and I've even seen uh, makos and silver tips in the Red Sea. Um, if you're looking for that uh, on uh, these offshore reefs, there are certain months. And probably the best month uh, to go is the month of October. Uh, month of October, uh, the water temperature is starting to drop. And that means a lot of sharks are uh, uh, coming in again. So there's a lot of action around. Um, if, on the other hand, if you're looking for um, more cavern kind of diving, then, uh, and you know, beautiful hard coral gardens in the sorts... Uh, then uh, going into St. John's is the area to go, which is uh, um, probably about 80 miles away from the Sudanese border. There, massive variety in reefs, and as you go there, if you'd go there in the month of April, you still have a lot of chance uh, of seeing a lot of these big sharks. So, Yeah, these are the months to go there.
1: Okay, I like it. And what about here in the Maldives? What what months do you think are the best?
0: Uh, Here in the Maldives, I mean, it depends on what you're looking for. First of all, um, uh, if you're looking for uh, the whale shark, the whale shark comes around all year. Uh, but uh, sometimes of year, um, and exp- uh, actually we're coming out of one of these seasons. Visibility is low, yeah, because uh, we have to deal here with an oceanic uh, weather condition, and with uh, whatever the oceanic uh, um, uh, currents are bringing us. Um, uh, so at the moment we're coming out of a season where uh, visibility is low. If friends, you come at the end of January. Um, this is going to be endless uh, but also the currents are going to be ripping and this is something that uh, you are looking for if you're looking for sharks for instance. Um, If you're looking for uh, mantas, uh, depending on how you'd like to look for that, uh, mantas uh, we have them basically all year round and depending on uh, the currents uh, uh, they will go either to one side or to the other side of the atoll. Uh, We have uh, here mostly reef mantas and these are residential Uh, so uh, it's a matter of going there. Uh, the thing is, is that mantas, uh, they seem to get more social or maybe it's a mating moment or something of the sorts uh, around uh, full moon. Yeah, So if you're in the Maldives with full moon, uh, the chance is bigger uh, to see 10 or 15 uh, mantas on a cleaning station than it is when you're not in a full moon. So, uh, so these are things to keep in mind.
1: You know, what's yeah. funny is I, th- I think to a lot of newer divers, our kind of dream scenario would be Warm water, no currents, you know, endless vids with no particles in the water. But we also want to see big things. And it doesn't really work that way.
0: No. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. All these um all these uh, uh uh sharks you need to realize that most shark species uh that we encounter around these reefs, uh they don't have the capability to push water through their gill slits. And uh they need this water to grow through to breathe, right? So um as they cannot do that, that means they always have to swim to get the water through. Now you can imagine that if you are in a place where the current hits the reef and uh, 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 changes in direction, that makes it easier for the shark to hang around because the water accelerates. That's why they like to hang out in certain places. So we are actually looking for good currents instead of avoiding them.
1: Yeah, and it also seems that when it's too warm, a lot of sharks don't want, big sharks don't want to be out either. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, there are uh, uh, quite a bit of uh, uh, sharks uh, that are sensitive to the water temperature. So, uh, I mean, if you're talking about hammerheads, for instance, uh, they like the cooler water. Um, uh, Even the great white, which has also been spotted here in the Maldives, they like cold water. Um, a lot of these species what they do is they go to the deeper water to hunt and then uh, once they have a full belly they come to relax and cruise around in the warmer bits but if it gets too warm they just stay deeper because for them there's no reason to go up to the surface at all after all they don't take a breath of air okay
1: so when I see like a, you know nurse sharks or white tips or you know even you know these smaller reef sharks in my mind I'm 100% calm you know I'm, I'm never going to worry about them I, I know they're, they're never going to attack me But if I saw a great white, I wouldn't know what to do.
0: Well, what I always do when I look at sharks is uh, um, uh, you need to divide them. Or what I do is I divide them into two groups, right? So you have uh, the apex predator, which is on top of a food web. And you have a shark that is not an apex. So that means that that shark always has a a uh, a boss above him, somebody that will eat him. Um, uh, these normal reef sharks, uh, like in Gray Reef and the uh, and the White Tip and the Swords and the Nurses, they're not on top of the food web. Uh, so they're more likely to be scared of you than anything else. Uh, if you're talking about a great white or a tiger or a giant hammerhead, these are apex sharks, so they don't have an enemy. Or hardly. And that means that they cruise the waters like they rule it. And they rule it! Um, with an animal like that, uh, you need to realize that... Um, their job, on top of this food web, is is uh, to help out with natural selection. So that means they're there to make the other species stronger. So anything that is weak, anything that is sick, anything that's not behaving normal, that will be part of their dinner tonight. Um, so as you're in the water, uh, what you need to do is, first of all, you need to realize you are not on the menu, right? Because you're not a fish, so you don't belong to the food web. Secondly, don't show any behavior uh, that you might suggest that you are the weak one. So, splattering about. Because if a fish would do that, that would mean something's wrong with the fish. Uh, or, if we're diving with a group, stay in the group. Um, probably one of the best examples that I can give is that, for instance, if you have um, a cat and a dog sitting next to each other, uh, and a cat just sits, the dog might sniff around a little bit, but we'll be fine. But as soon as that cat runs, you trigger the dog, and the dog will run. And the same thing happens with these apexes. So what you need to do, don't move. Don't go up, down, left, right.
1: Okay. Because I think a lot of people, their instinct would be to panic, go straight to the top. That's probably the worst thing you can do.
0: Yes, that's absolutely the worst thing that you can do. And it is a very natural uh, reaction because, after all, uh, even though uh, uh, we are quite divine, let's just call it that, we are certainly no apex. So the fact that we uh, feel this as we see an apex is a very natural reaction because normally this would be uh, a threat to us. Yes.
1: Yeah, and I think at the surface, it's it's the worst place because we can't even see, you know, we we, we can't swim around, we can't see what's happening. It's... Definitely the, the worst place to be. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. The, the thing is also is that as you're hanging at the surface, you're moving your fins a lot more. And um, uh, um, the thing is also is that what sharks uh, do, and I'm talking about these apex sharks, is that if they see something that they don't understand, flapping about at the surface, for instance, what they will do is they will come close and they want to check it out. To check it out, uh, because they have an interest in food, they will take a bite. And uh, that doesn't mean that sharks eat humans, not at all, because uh, a lot of shark species actually spit us out because they don't like us at all. Um, uh, however, if they take a bite, yeah, for us the damage is kind of big, so uh, please don't do that.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. unfortunate that our bodies are so frail that a, a small bite can, can just bleed <laughs> us out, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, these, uh, and after all, I mean, these, uh, these these guys are impressive, yeah, I mean, they're they're big, they're strong, they rule their waters, and there's, you know, in the end, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, just enjoy whatever is coming at you. And if you're scared, just suck it up. Stay where you're at and enjoy the show. That's all you can do.
1: Yeah, I, w- I would love to see one. I mean, it's like, you know, it's it's one of those those things where it's a small chance of seeing one, you know, unless you go, you know, to South Africa, to Cape Town to go cage diving with the Great White where they, they chum them. But if I, if I happen to see one, it would be great.
0: No, I mean the 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 cage diving itself. I'm not a uh, personally. I'm not a fan at all. I mean, I don't want to. I want to see great white, but I actually want to dive with it and uh, nothing else. And I understand that uh, off Cape Town, uh, there are actually facilities where you can do that. Uh, I cannot name you exactly where to go, but uh, that is something that I have on my list to uh, check out and see if I can go there because that is definitely one of the things that I need to see a great white.
1: I, I like that. Even someone who's dove so much, you still have your dive bucket list.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, I mean, uh, 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 another thing that I'd like to do is, um, uh, uh, you have uh, in the north of Europe, uh, uh, during the winter time, um, uh, in all the cold waters you have gatherings of um, uh, uh, of killer whales, right? My God, I think I would be scared shit the first time I see one, but uh, I, I would like to go there. I understand they don't do any diving with them, only free diving, but uh, and you can do safari with them. But uh, I need to see that. I need to be in the woods with those animals and just, you know, uh, experience the the magnitude of Mother Nature. Wow. That is mind blowing. That'd be cool. Mm, okay. Yeah.
1: So, out of the places that you have been, which which were a lot, what are some of your favorites?
0: Uh, well, actually, uh, um, for instance, here my favorite here in the Maldives is uh, a reef called Rajdou. Um Can be a challenging dive, uh, but it is a reef with a massive biodiversity. Uh, So that means to me, as a cruise director and a guide, that every time I dive, I see something different, something new, or a combination of things that I've never seen before, and that is really, really, really cool. Um, uh, The other thing that I like is, um, uh, for instance, in Egypt, my most favorite place in Egypt is actually St. John's. I love uh, all the small swim-throughs and I love uh, the variety in reefs and the beautiful hard coral gardens. And then on top of it, uh, being surprised by a shark. Yeah, that definitely does it for me.
1: So so going back to Maldives, the Rastu site, is that the one we did twice? Once in the yes. morning, once in the afternoon? Uh,
0: yes, three times actually. So we did a blue dive and we did two times the channel dive. That's correct.
1: Okay. okay. Yeah, and from, from I think I did it twice. I think I did the blue dive and then I did the morning dive. And I was so exhausted from diving for seven days in a row from then. I took Mm. a break. But then instantly when everyone came back, I I regretted it because (laughs) from the the videos I saw, it was a completely different dive. You know, the morning wasn't much going on. Visibility wasn't very good. And the afternoon it looked like a different dive site.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, uh, especially here in the Maldives, because we have these atolls. The atoll on the inside is quite shallow. And uh, as you have, for instance, uh, a current going out, that also means it will bring a lot of sand out, so visibility will drop. Um, As the current comes from the outside in, uh, yeah, currents, uh, as they rip, they bring not only sharks, but as they come in, the woods will be clearer. And that's the... That's the that's the hard thing, uh, uh, and also the beauty of it because you know you can have one dive where you're thinking, my God, did I just do that? That was a horrible. Do I need to go back? And the next dive is just mind blowing. So that is uh, no, that is the great thing, and also you know the difficult thing here in the Maldives.
1: Yeah, and I guess the good the good thing about having so many dives or like such a long liverboard is you have more opportunities to to see to to have the good dives. Yeah,
0: yeah the thing is basically is that we have a lot of options and. Um, When you come to the Maldives, I mean, for sure you want to see yourself a manta ray. Um, uh, uh, You'd like to see probably a manta at night, which is kind of special, especially if you're in the water with it. Um, uh, You probably want to see a whale shark. And uh, uh, if you do a seven-day trip, uh, uh, we're going to do all those steps. But um, if we then... uh, because of changing currents, bad weather conditions, or something of the sorts, don't get what we we're looking for, it's a miss. And if you then take a 10-day trip, or a 12-day trip, or a 14-day trip, yeah, we have options, and we can play more, so uh, yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, definitely makes sense. Okay, so we have the Maldives, or Egypt, where else in the world have you really loved?
0: Uh, Indonesia. Indonesia is, um, is, um, yeah, Indonesia is something else. That is, uh, uh, I mean, I love my sharks, um, uh, but uh, as a diver, uh, I also love uh, uh, enjoying my camera, playing around with it and swords. And Indonesia is just... The diversity and the small treasures you can find is just amazing. Uh, the amount of nudibranchs in every color, flavor, and size is there. Uh, uh, weird sharks, like the wobbegong shark that hides uh, uh, and has this really weird structure around its face or the walking shark you can find at night. Um, uh, the diving there, also a lot of currents um, uh, Weird structures of reefs, or at least for me, because I come from a different corner of the world. Uh, uh, but every dive can bring you something beautiful and just, you know, the stunning life because of the currents uh, from really small to really big. And then in every flavor that you can think of, I understand that like 70% of all coral species in the world can be found in Indonesia that by itself. Wow.
1: Nice. And what are some of your favorite parts of it, to dive in Indonesia? Uh,
0: one of the um, uh, uh, great uh, places that I've been is uh, you have. Um, uh, I've been diving in Raja Ampat a lot and uh, in Raja Ampat uh, in the north uh, there's a dive site which is called Blue Magic. Now you need to realize that every dive site In Indonesia that has the word magic in it is called magic because of the chance of oceanic Manta. Um, Great. Now in this case uh, uh, this is like um, uh, a hill coming up from 35 meters and on the top uh, you have eight meters a couple of blocks on it and these blocks are cleaning stations for the Manta. Um, But this hill is right next to the Dampier Straits which is like a big channel where a lot of wildlife passes through uh, from one side to the other. So anything can happen uh, on that dive. Um, uh, because there's so much currents around and because there's so much big life around and so much food coming in with the currents, it's just mind-blowing what you can find on the reef. I mean, for sure, if you see a manta with a span of uh, six meters, that is just, you know, manta, wow. Um, uh, Having experience with an animal like that, coming on a cleaning station, they're so respectful and they're so elegant and, you know, you have this, I don't know, mental thing going on with these animals you have it with the reef manta but with the oceanic that's even worse uh, or better actually yeah.
1: especially because it's so much bigger
0: yeah that is um, that is, I, I, I just cannot explain that manta they tell me that the manta is the most uh, intelligent fish uh, so that's not the dolphin because that's a mammal um, and you know I like in my diving I like I mean for sure I like a beautiful Yeah, as I have my camera with me and it can make the pictures and the sorts Uh, I really enjoy interaction with animals Uh, ticking the box that I've seen this or that is not so much my thing but having the interaction and the Manta is definitely one of them and um, uh, they seek uh, uh, contact and they seek uh, 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 communication and they try to play with you and uh, yeah I love it I just love it I love
1: it too I remember the the first time I ever saw one it reminded me of um, Star Wars the Mm. spaceship covering the sun yeah (laughs) And then, yeah, it, it was—it's unbelievable. You know, I highly recommend everyone in the world be able to to see them, especially the oceanic ones. Cause the reef, you know, start with the reef one because it's a easier spot. You have a a better chance of of a not almost like guarantee, but more likely chance to to see them. But if you but then don't check don't finish checking off the box until you've seen those Shannons
0: <laughs> no I fully agree with you it's uh, it's a uh, it's a unique experience that um, you know that is something that everybody in the world actually should experience yeah. definitely
1: and the same with whale sharks like it, it's very nice to snorkel with them and I would say that could be like mini mini box one but diving with one is a completely different experience
0: yeah I agree with you I um, uh, you know the Uh, that's also the great thing I think about this job is that uh, because you encounter so many different individuals is that you get to see different personalities and different ways in which they handle situations and the sorts and sometimes it's just funny, right? Uh, Because these whale sharks, they're endangered. So uh, what we always tell people, don't touch the whale shark. And, you know, if people touch him, you know, we get angry uh, because we need to protect these animals and uh, but sometimes um uh uh we have uh, whale sharks coming in and especially here in the area in the South Ari Atoll is an area where you find uh, young whale sharks before they're uh, starting to travel the world and uh, sometimes we have a shark coming in of like 3 meters and uh uh you know uh and then after a dive, uh, people come up to me. Oh, Anka, Anka, I'm so sorry. Uh, I tried to stay away from the whale shark and I didn't mean to touch it, but it's sort of touching me. <laughs> because these young, let's say toddlers, they just started swimming into people and they're so curious and I think everything is interesting. It's just, you know, that's just cute by itself. And it's like three meter cute by itself. Yeah, which is so 10 feet. Cool. They're pretty big, Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah we're talking, oh, yeah, we're talking feet. feet. Yeah, no, it's 10 feet, definitely. And they're just, you know, they're... Um, uh, like uh like uh, uh so many life it's just amazing to see how uh they live their lives the way they behave and how they seek interaction to me it's just an endless source of joy
1: i, I love it um and we're running a bit of time but any other kind of top dive sites in the world or i mean or places that you've been to that, that you recommend
0: um Anyway, well, it, it all depends a little bit on uh, uh, what you are looking for and what your fetish is, right? Uh, I mean, are you looking for... Uh, this, a lot of people have a fetish for uh, uh, seahorses or uh, nudibranchs or the sorts. Uh, then Asian countries are very good to visit. Um, uh, if you love sharks and if you want to see big sharks then at some point you have to meet some cold waters and you have to go places like Galapagos. Uh, Cocos uh, are definitely places to go. Um, uh, for me, as I said I have on my wish list uh, for sure the killer whale uh I have on my wish list uh, the great white as long as it's uh, free um and other than that I don't have any specific wish list of where I need to go for me it's more about um the type of encounter that I have um uh, let me explain that I had um uh, uh, so I've done this uh tour with this boat uh, uh a lot and uh, you see places and corners on reef where you're thinking all right I would like to go there some moment where I don't have to um, uh, guide a guest because then I can do what I like to do. And um, uh, so at some point I saw on uh, Rajdu uh, a masked porcupine puffer, great animal, and I love puffers. And and I love them because they're uh, actually very shy, right? I mean, usually when you approach them, they turn uh, their back on you. They're looking with one eye and they're a bit scared. And um, so um, all these trips, we're doing like seven-day trips. And at some point, I got a 10-day trip. And uh, usually we have rush due, uh on the first and on the second day. And in this case, uh, we did the tour the other way around. So I had it at the end of the trip. And that means that all my guests are comfortable. Uh, they like to bimble off by themselves in the sort. So by the time that we jumped, um, I had a chance to visit. Uh, uh this animal and um, just you know hanging around and making it comfortable uh, putting my camera in the sand until the animal uh, uh, realizes that I'm not there to hurt it in whatever manner and it starts bimbling around and looking for food and looking at you swimming into your camera and the sorts. to me that is just you know that makes that makes my month I love that and have I seen Porcupine Puffins before yeah millions of times uh, but just the way that happened that's just for me, mind blowing.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree. It's if any of you enjoy watching Discovery Channel or National Geographic, imagine being there in real life, having that that immersion, having that that creature, you know, basically interact with you in the same world. It, it's it's a unbelievable experience. Yeah,
0: there's there's I think there's nothing that can describe it. You just have to do it. That's it.
1: Yeah, I love it. So uh, everyone listening, I'm sure you're excited about diving now uh if you haven't already been and so you know go go book your trip i mean if you have a job or if you run run a business have it be you know something something planned for your next vacation uh and or if you want to kind of go the route that we went i encourage everyone who really wants to take a few years off of the normal job or career to become a dive master go go through the training. Work somewhere or a resort, uh, and then move your way up to on a, to work on a overboard. It's one of the best things I ever did. I really enjoyed it. Did it for about four years, Anka. You've done it for many many more years now.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've been around a bit. Yeah,
1: and it's a great experience. Uh, if you if you guys have read my first book, Twelve Weeks in Thailand: The Good Life on the Cheap, it was really just about those four years. So check that out. Uh, Anka, if uh, people want to find you. Are you on social media? Do you have a website or anything?
0: Uh, Yeah, I am actually. uh, Probably the best and the easiest way uh, to find me is through my website because you can always uh, track where I'm at. And my website is lovediving2.com. If you're looking for me on Facebook, it's uh, Anke, but now it's going to get hard because my last name is Westerlaken. (laughs) So it's probably better to do it through the website, lovediving2.com.
1: All right, so that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode and it's a little bit different but I really wanted to be able to share this dive trip as well as all this knowledge because we we often read the top 10 dive sites in the world written by people who probably never been diving but these are people who love what they do they've been all around the world so you can you can know this is good information so share this with a friend who dives and hope to see you next week bye thank you for listening to the travel like a boss podcast If you want to hear more, including the bonus How to Choose the Perfect Niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.